So when Jesus was walking out among the people, he would oftentimes get uh, several teachers of the law, Pharisees, coming and asking him questions. And one of the questions he was asked at one point was, Jesus, should we pay taxes? Now, of course, this is a part where most of us kind of tune, like, tune in like, hey, Jesus, is there like a, you know excuse we have not to pay taxes or something like that? And, and certainly they were looking to trick him in some form of fashion. In fact, what they were hoping he would do is either say, yes, pay your taxes to Caesar, in which case they could say to him, uh, okay, Jesus, aren't we supposed to be paying our temple tax first? Isn't that supposed to be our priority? And they could trick him and get him into a debate and that sort of thing. Or he could say the other way, no, pay your, your temple tax first and then pay your taxes to Caesar. And then they could say, ah, so you don't think we should follow Caesar. You think we should put this above Caesar. And then they could get into a debate that way. And so Jesus, knowing this, knowing that they were trying to trick him and bait him and get him into uh, you know, some sort of a discussion, he takes a coin... And he asks the question, there's okay, a Daenerys, but he, he takes it and he says, whose inscription is on this coin? So if you're to take it, you have a quarter here, you'd look at it and you see, okay, that's, that's Washington on there. Is that correct? It doesn't say it, does it? It just, says, just has his head on it. All right? Um, but you'd say that. Well, that's not what they would say. They would say it was Caesar. Okay? That, that would be on the Daenerys. So they would say, oh, it's Caesar's. And then Jesus responded... And you can read about this, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. All three of those Gospels contain it. He says, okay, pay to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. And each one of the the Gospels then record that the Pharisees walked away. Like, man, we couldn't trap him. We couldn't trick him. We couldn't bait him. We couldn't get him into this discussion. And so they turn and they walk away. Now, Jesus is the greatest teacher ever walked upon the earth. He's God. He has the wisdom to be able to do those kind of things, to be able to see that exactly they're baiting him and all of that. But wouldn't it be incredible if we could just, at times when we're being baited and and drawn into some sort of a debate, to be able to give an answer that's just like, you know what, this is the truth. Back away from it and say it as it's as it is. And one of the ways Jesus was able to do that is he, was, he knew exactly, like, this is just material possession, right? This is just a coin. It, it doesn't belong. I mean, God's not up in heaven going, man, I wish I had more money, right? You know that, right? Like, he's not up there going, we're so limited. God's so limited because he doesn't have money. That's not a thought that would even go through God's head. He's not limited at all. And certainly not limited by man's possession. So, so God knows that. Jesus knows that. He says, you know what? Give to Caesar what Caesar's, it's no big deal. Give to God what is God's. He's given us our abilities, our gifts, the talents, the things that he's given us. We give back to him. Jesus knows that, and so the answer was easy for him. Well, the point of this morning, and the direction I want to go as we go into this portion of Scripture, is that simply this, it is God's plan to silence foolishness with our behavior. Got that? It's God's plan to silence foolishness with our behavior. Now, Jesus, as he walked upon the earth, he was able to speak great and wonderful things, but he also lived in a way in which people really could not trap him in any way. In fact, the way that he ended up going to the cross was that people came and said, okay, he declares to be the Son of God. He spoke the truth. He says, yes, I am the Son of God. I am the Messiah. And that's what got him to the cross because the Jews said, we don't want to believe that. We want to reject him. 
So the very reason he went to the cross is because he stood for what was right and what was true. They had no way to accuse him. He was a blemish. He was spotless. As he went upon the cross, there was nothing against him. With his foolishness, he has since then, or excuse me, with his, with his behavior, he has since silenced the foolishness of mankind. It's God's plan to silence foolishness with our behavior too as the church. As we go out and we begin to spread and speak the gospel of truth, we ought to be living in such a way that people can't point back to us and say, ah, they're hypocrites. Ah, those Christians are judgmental. And those types of things which we hear quite often, right? I was starting to go through and look at, at different articles, and I began to see three things that popped up that people say, non-Christians say about Christians. One, the first thing, of course, always comes up, Christians are judgmental. Have you ever heard that? Absolutely. You're going to hear that quite a bit. And let's be honest, I struggle with that. Do you struggle with that? In fact, the, the very statement, you are judgmental, means the person who says that is judgmental. Right? We all struggle with being judgmental in some sense. One of the problems I have, of course, is that we're called to live a certain way. We're called to live with a certain standard. How do you take what we're called to do and not impose it upon other people? And I think as we go further along in our faith, we understand that what God's word said, his truth, and and everything that he commands is for the believer, is for the person who's following God. And yes, he desires all people to follow that as well. But the first thing that all people have to do is come to Jesus Christ. They have to come to Christ, and then Christ does the work in their hearts, and the Holy Spirit does the work in their hearts. So it's not our job to go out and say, well, you're, you're condemned or you're going to hell or you're not part of God's family because, and then we point to maybe some sort of a work. The only thing we can ever say is, listen, the only reason you don't have a relationship with God the Father, the only reason you don't have eternal life is because you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only thing we can say. And then once a person becomes a follower of Jesus Christ, then we can say, look at what the rest of the word has to say about being a follower of Jesus Christ. But it starts... With the gospel. We could still be called judgmental. We could be called uh, hypocrites, definitely, without a doubt. People will say that. Listen, you guys, you do your Sunday morning thing, you show up at church, you look all churchy and everything, and then you go on Monday morning, you go to work, or Sunday night, you're out doing things that you know that the people in the church would be shocked if they found out you were doing, and you know, and then people are like, oh, you're such a hypocrite. It will be quick to point out we're hypocrites. Well, it certainly should not be the case. We certainly should be living what we say we are. We should be authentic, genuine followers of Jesus Christ here today, tonight, tomorrow, the rest of the week. And if we are, and listen to this, if we are doing a double life, if you're putting on a Sunday morning show and living another life out there, you ought to be convicted about that. Hey, we're not supposed to be living double lives. The third thing that's brought up, and it's kind of interesting, I was reading through an article, the third one that was brought up was, was this, that Christians stink at making friendships. It's kind of one of the consistent things I was, I was finding out. That for some reason, whether it's they're judgmental or they're hypocrites or something like that, they stink at building friendships out there. Now, I think that that's something that actually impacts our entire culture. Because it seems like there's a lot of people out there that just struggle in general today to make friendships. 
Now, as Christians, I certainly think we can do that as well because we get to a point where maybe we, you know, we have different passions, we have different desires, we're following those things, and it makes it difficult to love and care for those who are following a different God, a different direction. So we do struggle. I struggle to make friendships. How do we make friendships in the world yet not follow the other philosophies, other gods, other ideas that the world has to present? That's a struggle. It's a tension. And sometimes that's seen in the world. So where does all this go? Well, this is what people say about us. How do we silence some of those things? And certainly by our behavior, I think we can, we can help to silence some of those things. At the same time, we also need to know that sometimes people will slander. Sometimes they'll say things about Christians that aren't true. We just do our best to work through it and continue to honor God as we live our lives for him. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus was completely perfect, and he went to the cross. He died a criminal's death. So even if you're perfect... You can still be slandered. Even if you're perfect, you're still going to be accused. Even if you're perfect, you can still be crucified like Christ was. 1 Peter 2, verse 12. I'm going to do this in a couple different translations here for you. The first one is the translation we use, which is uh, the Christian Standard Bible. It says this, Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you, notice that he says when they slander you, as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. On the day that Christ returns, there will be judgment. And that's when the people who slander us for doing the right thing, that's when they'll be judged. Okay, not until then. Sometimes we want that to happen now, right? Like, God, I feel like I've been judged. I feel like someone's coming down on me. Can you, you know, come down on them? And God's like, hey, it will happen. But it will be in the future. So wait for it. Here's another translation, another way to word it. Be careful, this is from the NLT, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. They then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Here's another one. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Now, those are three different translations. By the way, translations are the, the English uh, equivalent of, well, not the equivalent, the English text that we use to go back and we look at the Greek and we translate it into an English text. And so there's a lot of different English texts we have. It's one of the, the beauties of actually speaking English language because we have so many that we can go back to. And you'll see how translators have struggled to look at the Greek and understand it today in our culture. But we have several uh, translations that help us see that. And so I just used a few of, you, few of them here so you can kind of get a little different flavor in each of them about how he tells us we need to live this life, we need to act, we need to have a behavior that demonstrates to other people the truth of Jesus Christ. And we may be slandered, but don't worry. In the end, God will judge accordingly. Okay, so that's kind of the key concept and where we're going this morning. We are called to be silencers. Let's go ahead and open in a word of prayer, and then we'll, we'll move on. Father, thank you. What a privilege it is to open your word together. Speak to us today. Lord, this needs to be your truth, not mine, but yours. I pray that you will use me uh, as one who is who's speaking your truth. Use it in a way to speak to, to the hearts of the people here. God, we, we want to... We want to be more like you. We want to be examples out into our world. We want our neighbors, coworkers, friends, family, anyone who doesn't know Jesus Christ to see Christ living in us. 
so that they too will want to follow you. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. How do we silence foolishness? A couple concepts here I think we can go over and we're going to see in the text as we move forward. One, we need to realize we're, we're called to live as guests on this earth. When you go into a hotel room, you're not going to go in there and start putting up your pictures on the wall and start making it all homey and feeling like you're home, right? You go into a hotel room and you, you bring your essentials and you, you, you know, live there for a day or two or a week or how long you're in there, and then you pack up and you leave. And then you are a guest. You're a guest there in that room. If it's a B&B or maybe you even go to a friend's house and you stay there, you don't go in and act like you own the place. Well, maybe some of you do. But, but you try to go in there and you be a guest and you're kind and you're considerate to the people who are, who are treating you and hosting you. Here the idea that the scripture talks about is we are called to be guests on this earth. This is not our home. Let's not be comfortable here on this earth. That's not our focus. We need to give people a reason to respect us while we're on this earth. Okay, you know, you'll see these in your bulletin if you want to follow through. I'll kind of be moving through these here. But, but we need to give people a reason to respect us. Don't, don't give them a reason to disrespect us. Don't give them a reason to disrespect you. Give them a reason to say, wow, that person has integrity. Wow, that person really does what they say they're going to do. They, they love the Lord and they follow and love the Lord. We need to be okay then with false accusations. If we're doing those things, okay, if we're living as guests on this earth and we're, we're living, our way, or living our life in a way that we are drawing respect, there's going to be times where people will accuse us falsely. If they accuse Jesus Christ, the most righteous, perfect person to ever walk on the face of the earth, guess what? They're going to accuse us. Let's look at the text here. 1 Peter 2, 11 through 12 starts off, Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desire that wage war against the soul. So there you have it, God's word talking to us, strangers and exile. That's what he calls us here. He says, as strangers, as people who are guests on this earth, we need to abstain. We need to, as we talked earlier, get rid of things like malice and deceit and all those things that he talked about earlier in the chapter, we need to get rid of those things and we need to desire him. Okay? We have this other thing that happens in us and that's this sinful desire, this flesh. That's what he talks about here when he says we need to abstain from the sinful desires that then wage war against us. I don't know if you've noticed this, I have, that I've got this flesh and this flesh wants to please itself. But if I've placed my faith in Jesus Christ, I'm united with Christ and now I have the Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit lives in me. And because the Holy Spirit lives in me, the Holy Spirit is saying, man, I want to be more like Christ. I want to be like the Heavenly Father. I want to follow Him and listen to His commands and do all of that. And so we have the Spirit inside of us that's going that direction, but we have this flesh that's going the other direction. And the world is so appealing to it. He says, I urge you as strangers, as people who are guests on this earth, to look at your situation and go, you know what? I'm not here to please the flesh. I am recruited out of my mess to please and make known Christ. That's why we have this war inside of us. That's why we have conviction when we do something that's wrong. When we do something that's apart from God. The Holy Spirit's crying out, please follow the one who gave us life. But the flesh 
continues to fight against it. He goes on, then he says, after you realize that and you say, I want to follow the Holy Spirit, you've got to conduct yourselves honorably in a way that draws respect from other people. They see the truth living out in front of us. They can't call us hypocrites because they know how we live on a Sunday morning. When we come here on a Sunday and we worship together and we are in, in communion together, they know that that's the way we would live at our homes when nobody's watching. They know that's the way we'd live with our friends, that we're the same person. There's no hypocrisy going on there. We're people of integrity. He says to do this among the Gentiles, do this among the people who you are living among so that they can see the truth of Christ lived out in front of you. So when they slander you then as evildoers, and they will, when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. Hey, you're going to hear it. Be slandered, but be okay with it. Be okay when people bring things up. You feel like, you know what, that just doesn't seem, oh yeah, that's right, Christians will get slandered. Oh yeah, that's right, Christ was, was slandered, I will be too. It will happen. One day down the road, there will be judgment and people will see the truth for what it is. So, moving forward from here, the kind of verse, these two verses, it sets us up and says, this is kind of like our mission statement almost throughout Peter, where it's like, here's what we're called to do. We're, we're recruited, verses 9 and 10, to you know, make him known. Uh, we want to live in a way that's honorable, conducting ourselves honorably. And then he gives some practical advices on how to do this. Uh, we're going to go for the next few messages We'll, we'll speak on these practical advices and how to be set apart. So here you go. Here's the first one. We need to live in peace among authorities. And he's going to touch on that as we move forward into the text here. We need to live in peace among our authorities, our governing authorities. We'll always love to talk about that, right? We need to do what is good. It really works. Because sometimes you're like, I don't know. You know, sometimes it seems like if I, if I twist the truth a little bit here, maybe I'll get out of the problem. Oh, we need to do what, what, what's good. It really works. And then we need to love believers. We need to fear God. And we need to honor authorities. Okay? Those are the, the few things he talks about here. So let's take a look at the text. Verses 13 to 17. Submit. Got to love that word, right? The idea is to volunteer ourselves under, okay, volunteer to place ourselves under human authority. Human governing authority because of the Lord. Not because you think this is the right thing to do, but because God says it's the right thing to do. Okay? Do it because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors, those who are under the emperor, as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. Now, some of you are like, wait a minute, we know situations where that doesn't happen. We're still called to submit can be difficult. Now, people also bring up at this point, well, what do you do when a governing authority asks you to do something that's against what God's Word has to say? Okay, and that's happened in history, hasn't it? You can't worship anymore. You can't worship God anymore. We have countries today in our world that say you can't worship. You can't worship Jesus Christ. And still there are people that meet to worship Jesus Christ. Well, they did it back in the early church as well. You know what? They, they would say, okay, here's a situation where our governing authorities say we can't, but we know God wants us to worship him. We're going to go ahead and worship him. Here's the thing. When they got caught, what did they do? 
They paid the consequence. And that's the difference. Sometimes I think we think we have to fight it. Paul, he was arrested. He went through the process, just like we would today if we were arrested. You know, we could get a lawyer and we could go through the process. And he did things the right way, the way the government spelled out how to do it. He submitted himself to that. When you get caught, you submit yourself to the consequence. That's hard, isn't it? I don't think that's right. We're Americans after all, right? Supposed to be, uh, uh, take the, the, the whatever, our ammo, our guns, or you know, fight it, let's do it. And we, we say things like that, but, but we need to submit. Now, in our country, we have this, uh, this, this method in which we can appeal. And absolutely, in a correct manner, we can do what we're called to do or what God would want us to do. So there is some room there for us, but again, it's still in a submission to our human authorities that are over us. Uh, now, there is a, by the way, a life group discussion. So if you're like, I really want to know more about that, your life group will handle some of that this week as well. You can get in, plugged into that. Okay, then he goes on, for it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good, by being respectable, by being kind. Practical way you see this, let's be honest, social media. How many of us see the, the different political views posted on social media all the time? How many of us see on social media different memes or different things, different quotes that are said about our presidents or past presidents or Kavanaugh or those who speak against Kavanaugh? And sometimes we blast those things out there and they can be disrespectful to the people who are governing us. I don't think God wants us to do that, to not be disrespectful. We should not be disrespectful. Now, at the same time, we may have different opinions. We can respectfully give a different opinion. But remember, the person God has put in charge. Now, that can be hard to swallow. I understand that. But we've got to take what Scripture has to say, and we have to believe it, that that's what God says. God has put those people there. So do good that way. Then he says, submit us free people. Now you can make the argument, well, if we were to do this, then we're not free anymore. We're submitting ourselves to human authority. No, he says, listen, we do it because God has asked us to do it. We do it as a volunteer way because we, we have the freedom to. Well, we don't use our freedom as a cover-up. We don't say, hey, we're free, therefore we don't have to listen to the governing authorities. No, we need to listen to the governing authorities because we need to submit as free people. Not using our freedom as a cover-up from evil, but as God's slaves, as people who submit themselves to God. God said this is what we're supposed to do. And you can read more about it, Romans 13. Paul talks a lot about it in Romans 13, about how we should treat the government. If you want to talk, or read more about it, I encourage you, go there. You'll see what it talks about there. We are God's servants. We are submitting ourselves to God. God says this is what we ought to do. Then he ends with this, honor everyone. Everyone. Right? Honor everyone, love the brothers and sisters, fear God, and honor the emperor. That's how he summarizes this. Now, he says specifically here, love your brothers and sisters. We're also told, Jesus tells us, that all people will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. I think that's what Peter's talking about here. How we love each other is an example, is a witness out into the world. So we need to love each other and love each other well. We need to fear God. He is the one we are to follow. Fear him and then honor the emperor. 
Okay, once again, he brings that idea back to government. So the first thing, practically speaking, Paul or Peter brings out, as we conduct ourselves, he says, listen, you need to look at the governing authorities and ask yourself, how are you honoring them? It's a great question. Next week, uh, Josh is going to lead us through how we are to honor the people we work for. And then after that, I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk about how we are to honor uh, our, in our marriages and how we are to honor our you know, families and our church. So those are the practical areas in which Peter addresses as we think about relationships in our world. Are we conducting ourselves in a way that people will look at us and say, wow, they love and show respect to other people because they're followers of Jesus Christ. Hopefully, that's the way we're living our lives. A few questions to consider. How would my next-door neighbor, as we're thinking about this and conducting ourselves, how would my next-door neighbor describe my relationship with God? Think about that. How would your next-door neighbor describe your relationship with God? Now, maybe you say, oh, my next-door neighbor, I don't know. How would your coworker, how would the person you ride to work with, if you carpool or something like that, how would they describe your relationship with God? Would they say, man, that person conducts themselves in a way that seems to be appropriate according to God's Word? Wouldn't that be great if they did? Um, I don't know if they would. I don't even know if they know what God's Word has to say. You know, that's up to... Uh, it's different for each, each relationship you have. How about this? Does my life help point people to Christ, pull people away, or neither? I put the neither in there because I think that's kind of the comfort zone. That's the safe zone. Like, ah, oh, you know what? It's just kind of a neither section here, right? I'm not going to necessarily help point people to Christ. I wouldn't say I'm pulling them away. I'm just kind of floating by. I'm in that neither section. But if you're in that neither section, you're, I don't know, kind of flirting with the pulling people away. How can we help point people to Christ with our conduct? Now, of course, this gets really tricky when you go back to social media. Oh, boy, we can really point people away or draw people in by what we post on social media. But it's more than that. It's our everyday behavior. It's what our neighbors see on a regular basis. What our coworkers see on a regular basis. So here's something you can do to take the challenge. And uh, I'll give you just a minute or two. You can think about this. You can pull out your response card if you want to. You can write on there. Pull out a phone if you've got a notepad on there and you want to write it on there, something like that. I'd like you to think through three things you could do this week that would move towards silencing criticism in your life. What three things could you do this week that would help Move people or move towards silencing criticism. Like people can't point to you and go, oh, yeah, they're a hypocrite. Or, yeah, they're judgmental. Or, man, they stink at making relationships, you know, friendships. Well, what's, what's something you could do to try to break that, uh, those, those comments, that criticism, silence those criticisms? Think about that. As I've been kind of reflecting on it this week, just some of the things that, that came up for me, I was thinking about uh, on a Sunday morning, or not Sunday morning, excuse me, as I'm, as I'm going to the office around the ITC, there are times when I, I hop out of the car and I just walk right into the office, and there might be a few people around, 
And my thought process when I hop out of the car is, okay, I'm going to get to the office. I'm going to start doing my work and make phone calls and emails and texts and all those types of things. And I, I go right to the business part of it. And there's real live people standing around at times. That could be a neighbor across the road. She's walking her dog back and forth. There's a neighbor over here that's, you know, I don't know, mowing the lawn or something like that. And there's an opportunity right there in that neighborhood to be friendly. So I was thinking, just for me, one thing that I could do is try to be friendly. Go up to those people. Uh, if I haven't introduced myself already, go ahead and introduce myself. And let them know, you know, okay, what we're doing. If they have questions, let them know I'll be praying for them. Ask them if there's any prayer requests. It types like, things like that. Like, I feel like those are things that, man, if they saw, wow, the, the people there at that church, they're, they're pretty friendly. That's a, that's a step for me. In fact, that's a step out of my comfort zone because, like I say, I'm just kind of like in my mode, like, okay, go get there, talk to the people in the church. But, you know, in the neighborhood, I don't know, that's a little, a little more scary, I guess. But, but I think that's what God would want us to do. So those are some of the things, little steps, I think, along the way that can help me personally. Maybe there's something you can think of. So take a moment, let's do that, and then I'm going to have you respond, shout, me, uh, shout out a few as we come to a close here, and then we'll pray and, and we'll uh, start to sing some songs together. So take a moment, write down, we can do the da 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 if you guys don't like silence, because some people just hate silence. Maybe you're stuck at one, and that's like, that's all I can do this week. That's cool, too. I mean, it doesn't have to be three. What's something you can do that will help break or move people towards silencing criticism? Does anybody want to share? Anybody out there want to share? Yeah, Brian. All right, wear your bracelet. I've, I've heard positive things. People are like, man, I wore this bracelet. And people are asking me, what's recruited or what's First Peter 2 9? And that's awesome. Yeah, great. Yeah, John. Okay. Just overcoming that, viewing people as, you know, people that need the Lord. I mean, everybody's a, a potential follower of Jesus Christ. And, and we ought to see him as such. Yeah. Great. What else? Yeah. Oh. Being the odd duck. All right. We have more explanation there? You want me to fill in the gap? Uh, maybe being confident in who God created you to be and uh, living that out. Yeah. Introduce yourself to your neighbors. Yeah. Yeah, if your neighbors don't know who you are yet, that's that's a great step. Trim it up, yeah. Yeah. No, I think those are great. I was thinking about some practical ones for my neighbor this week, too, that I think we could, we could do. So, Great. 
Little things that we can do in our community, call them baby steps, if you will, things we can certainly do that would challenge uh, us personally, but as people talk about us, as people see us, if people know we're followers of Jesus Christ, they can say, hey, I, not only do they say they're followers of Jesus Christ, but they actually, they seem like they act like it. Wouldn't that be awesome? Those people, I think they really are sincere about their faith. That's what we want to try to do as we live and conduct ourselves out in the world and in our community. Well, Father, thank you for giving us First Peter that tells those who were living in a time where they received a lot of criticism, a lot of persecution, a lot of slander, possibly even from their government, and yet they continued to be faithful to, to love you and follow you. Thank you for Peter's words and his encouragement to help us realize it's not about being comfortable on this world. It's about living as guests, as strangers and exiles right here and right now. And let us and help us and encourage us and walk with us as we, as we go out into this world as, as examples for you. Lord, I thank you for our kids' ministry. Pray that that would continue to grow. Those kids would enjoy the time that they have to worship together and then open your word together. Thank you for the, the volunteers. Lord, if you're working on people's hearts here today and they're not sure if they should take that step forward, I pray that you would, uh, would lead in that. Um, Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, that they would know the gospel as they leave this place. Thank you for who you are. We turn our attention in song to you. We, we turn our attention in communion as we take the bread and the juice together today. God, we want to give you all the praise and glory. You have done so much for us. Please receive this as a sacrifice to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.